This is Terrio Media. Success in real estate has nothing to do with shiny objects. It has everything to do with mastering the basics. The three pillars of real estate investing. Attract, convert, exit. Matt Terrio has been helping real estate investors do just that for more than a decade now. If you want to make money in real estate, keep listening. If you want it faster, visit reiace.com. Here's Matt. Hey there, Epic Investor. It's Matt Terrio from Epic Real Estate, where we show people how to invest in real estate with an emphasis on retiring early. You just got to do one thing one time, and that's just to shift your mindset. Shift your mindset from making piles of cash to creating streams of cash, and uh, you are on your way. This is the Epic Real Estate Investing Show. If this is your first time here, really glad that you found us. Make yourself at home. If you like what you hear, make sure you hit the subscribe button before you go. And if this is not your first time here, welcome back. Glad to have you. And thank you for sharing this with your friends and family. We wouldn't be here for more than a decade now if it wasn't for you doing that. So thank you. Got a great guest for you today, uh, a returning guest. He is the embodiment of the American dream. I did a little research on him. I've known him for a while, but I went online and said, let me see what the story is. And uh, so having survived the childhood that included war, a dramatic escape from pirates at sea, and languishing in a refugee camp, he arrived in America at the age of 12, speaking no English with nothing more than the shirt on his back. Typical, just a typical American dream story. It happens to everybody, but not everybody thrives and pushes through in the way he did. He seized the opportunities America presented him by getting his degree from a major university, working for one of the top IT consulting firms, and eventually realizing his dream of financial independence through real estate investing. He has served as president of the Certified Real Estate Investors Association since 2006 and is now the CEO of his own real estate investment company and has been involved in over 390 transactions since 2002. I'm sure it's probably a lot more than that since then. Um, and he has also trained countless other people over the throughout the country to become financially successful in real estate. And he's written a book too. He's done it all. So please help me welcome back to the show, Mr. Tim Mai. Tim, welcome back to Epic Real Estate Investing. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me back. Um, yeah, I, I, I love being on the show. I love you know, contributing, making a difference for others. And so uh, thank you. Yep. You do. And that's why you're here. So thank you for being here. Um, so yeah, I learned all this stuff about you. I didn't know all of this. <laughs> <laughs> Every time we see each other, we're talking about either real estate or Bitcoin. And uh, <laughs> yeah, you, you know, it's funny. I mean, it's an old bio. I haven't updated that in a long time. It looked um, old when I were from where I found it, but go ahead yeah yeah so that that, that was cool that, that was very cool and yeah I mean I, I did come from a very humble beginning you know um, which which kind of have me love making a difference for people who started with nothing you know that mm-hmm. yeah, yeah it's like the underdog right? I, I always feel like I'm the underdog mm-hmm. and uh, you know just the the whole journey of what it takes to, you know, yeah, what it takes to be successful, what it takes to, to, to be where I am today. I'm super grateful for the journey. I've learned a ton, uh, you know, and, uh, and yeah, so, 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 you know, which is why we're on this call right now is just like, I'm, I'm constantly looking for, for ways of, you know, how I, how I can make a difference for another, you know, another person and, you know, help them succeed. Totally. Yeah. I love that about you. And we're going to talk about that, but I just want to pause for just a second because I don't see mm-hmm. this in many bios. Escaped pirates at sea. 
Can you tell me a little story about that? Yeah. So, okay. So, so after the, after the war in 1975, the communist government took over mm-hmm. um, and Vietnam, uh, Vietnam, Vietnam. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of people try to escape out of Vietnam. I was born two weeks before the war ended and my whole family was supposed to leave Vietnam but because I was so so young, my mom afraid that I might die, so we decided to stay back. Uh, but but after that, I mean, you know, a lot of people try to escape out of Vietnam, uh, and so our whole family throughout my childhood there, our whole family had tried to escape out of Vietnam, you know, um, many times. Um, and uh, when I was eleven, my brother turned eighteen. Uh, and at that time, when you're 18, it's an automatic draft uh, into the military. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so my brother, you know, so my, my parents wanted my brother to, to, um, to uh, you know, try to escape out again. Uh, and so, yeah, so I came along with him. You know, I was thinking like, oh, it's no big deal. We'll be back home anyways, because like we always have. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so, yeah, so we, we, we got on this little fishing boat. Imagine twenty-four foot fishing boat with thirty-seven of you on there. Oh, <laughs> yeah, so we we were literally like laying like sardines underneath mm-hmm. the boat, um, you know, and uh, and yeah, I I remember I was the only child on the boat, and so my brother and all the men were was sitting around the engine constantly scooping out water, because um, we had to go stealth mode. We had to like get a little fishing boat, you know, not yeah, not to wake up the guards and stuff like that as we were leaving the the shore. But uh, the port, but uh, yeah, so we, we literally floated out at sea pretty much uh, for seven days and six nights, you know, to um, like if you were, and we got to Malaysian refugee camp. Uh, if you were to go on a speedboat, you know, from Vietnam to Malaysia now, it's probably just, you know, half a day or something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, so that whole journey of escaping, I mean, there's many danger in that, uh, you know, in, in, in our particular case, we got pulled over by five. It's Thailand fishermen, but they they're, they're thieves. They're you mm-hmm. know they'll they'll come over. They'll steal whatever they ta- they can. They'll rape the woman. A lot of time they'll throw the man off the boat. You know, so for us, I think we kind of got lucky that there's five of them and not one of them. You know, maybe mm-hmm. there was some kind of uh, social pressure not to rape anybody, but they did. Mm-hmm. They did come over and took whatever valuables they can, and then you know they left us on our way after that. And, uh, and yeah, so I made it to Malaysian refugee camp, um, you know, seven days later um, mm-hmm. and um, spent six months in the Malaysian refugee camp, six months in the Philippines refugee camp, and, uh, and then came to Houston when I was 12 years old. Uh, yeah, so. What a journey. <laughs> yes, yes. And, you know, growing up in Houston, it was just, it was my brother and I. And, uh, you know, we, we grew up in the hood. We used to live in Section 8 housing. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, I, I remember, like, it was a two-bedroom apartment. And at any given time, there were 10 to 12 other single guys living there. Uh, most of them are runaway kids. And, uh, and yeah, we, we did whatever we could to survive, uh, pretty much. Uh, you know, my, my brother used to deal drugs back then. And, you know, when he was out of town, uh, I would look over that and... Uh, and, you know, and, and I remember, and, you know, and we, even, even though, like, even though we were doing that, we barely had much money to, to really, um, mm-hmm. you know, to, to spend. Uh, and, uh, and yeah, I remember like coming home from seventh grade, 
uh, one day and, you know, like the house got raided, right, by FBI uh, for drugs and illegal handguns. Uh, luckily, they didn't find anything, so they, they left up to that. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, so, you know, so I understand what it's like <laughs> to grow up in the hood, what it's like, you know, to come from nothing. Uh, you know, luckily, you know, uh, both my brother and I got out of that environment. Um, he runs a very successful business now. It's, you know, in the eight-figure range. And, and yeah, and, you know, I, I was able to, fortunate enough to, you know, finish school, finish college. And um, I went work at an IT company uh, after college. And, you know, and then the, and then the, the dot-com bus came along, right? Mm-hmm. And then, mm-hmm. you know, I got laid off from that and got started in real estate investing. So <laughs> Great. Well, the reason I wanted you to, to, to be here is I'm, I'm selecting people from my, from my uh, network for people that have been through a downturn before that we potentially are probably going to experience again. Right. And I want to talk about that. But the last time we talked, uh, you know, you were working on a development project based after, uh, after a hurricane, I believe. Correct. How did that pan out? I know you you're know, submitting bids and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's a whole mess. You're working anything with the city takes forever mm-hmm. and it still don't work out. So now the city, uh, they, they still haven't done anything with that money. Uh, mm-hmm. Harvey has been how many years already, right? They still haven't done anything with that money. Uh, they selected uh, uh, um, three companies to, to be the winners, but there was some, uh, some sort of behind the scenes stuff. So now they're being sued. Uh, the city is being sued for mm-hmm. selecting uh, those companies. Um, and so, so yeah, it's, it's a mess. So it's not going anywhere, basically. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so what, is your, what do your real estate investing efforts look like today then? Yeah, so I've been, I've been doing more hard money lending. Uh, and then, um, you know, I um, start getting into a, a new development building uh, fourplexes. And um, yeah, and, and we were just starting to uh, to do the fourplex uh, project, and then you know this whole coronavirus hit. So we're yeah. you know we're, we're reassessing what what that's going to look like moving forward. Uh, I got a property, five point seven acres of land under contract that we were going to build a whole subdivision of fourplexes, mm-hmm. um, and um, you know, and so now you know, going back negotiating with the, with the, uh, with the seller to give me six months to close instead of, you know, 30 days to close, basically giving me, allowing me enough time to, um, to get the land to um, plotting stage, um, you know, before we commit to closing on it. So that way we don't have all the holding costs mm-hmm. and stuff like that. So, yeah, so things like that. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, I, I do some, um, I do some, uh, some, some rehabs, uh, rentals, um, you know, in between that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, a lot of uncertainty ahead of us. How are you? You said uh, reassessing, right? Yeah. Um, based on uh, what you can see in your experience, you know, right? What are the predictions for you, and how is it changing the way you do things? Right. Yeah. So first thing, you know, first thing I look at was okay. You know, I, I don't want to be in any long-term projects. If I am going to be in long-term projects. Uh, you know what's how how can I reduce my risk, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so so like there's a fourplex that we that we're building. Uh, we're in very early stages of that, so it's not something that I can easily turn it into a short term project. So so what I did was took on a partner to cover the holding costs, uh, so that you know that helped lower the um, mm-hmm. our risk on that. And then I I have a couple uh, houses where I was. Um, I was going to convert them into duplexes. Um, and so I was like, you know what? 
because um, you know that, that takes like six months to do and so with all the permitting and everything so it's like okay we're just going to rehab them we're going to be in and out you know within a couple of months um, and so uh, so yeah so I changed my strategy from you know converting to duplex to just rehabbing them as single family and then um, there was a, um, a piece of land um, like 43 acres that that uh, I was buying and I was going to take on a private lender for the land. I was like, you know what? I don't want the holding costs. Let me take on the lender as a partner instead. Uh, mm-hmm. So make, make, him, you know, uh, make her an equity partner. So like things like that, you know, looking at, you know, how can I do more partnership deals to, 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 uh, to lower my risk? Um, mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, and how can I, you know, um, yeah, do, do shorter term, you know, until we know further, right? Of, right. of what's, yeah, of what's going on. It's crazy. The, the news changes like on a daily basis. I mean, yeah, how different yeah. this country looked just 45 days ago, you know, it's like, gosh, we just had our first death in, on March 1st. And here we are as we're recording this 45 days later and boy, the whole country on lockdown, can't even go outside, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, how is this offending, affecting you from offending? <laughs> it's very, <laughs> I find this situation very offensive. Um, <laughs> <laughs> How is it affecting you with regard to your hard money, your lending? How are you looking at that? Yeah, so we're more conservative with our lending at this mm-hmm. point. Uh, you know, we were doing uh, we were doing seventy percent of uh, of ARV. We were doing up to a hundred percent of purchase and repairs. Uh, so now we're lowering down to sixty five percent of ARV, and we're doing ninety percent loan to cost, which is ninety percent of purchase and repairs. Um, you know, and even my private lenders. Uh, so I have a lot of friends who are, who I help broker their money as well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, some of them has cut back. It's like, you know, we, you know, we we don't want to lend right now, uh, just to sit out. You know, and so yeah, so so uh, so and then you know, and then I see too like more deals uh, fall apart. Um, you know, because the the numbers now it was make sense before all of this, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and now it doesn't make sense anymore. Um, right. You know, and so uh, so yeah, so that's you know that's how I've adjusted on on the hard money lending side. Got it. So, say uh, we were out of this, and uh, let's look at this. Based on going through the last uh, downturn, what do you think are, are the biggest mistakes that that people make during that time? Right. So, so I'll, I'll, I'll share from my own mistakes that I made during that time. Uh, <laughs> so at, at that time, I, I was, yeah, I, you know, when, when, when the last market crashed here in Houston, I had 20 uh, flip houses at different stages of, uh, of, mm. of the process, right? Oh, you were doing it. You were with the people that got hit really hard. Yes, for yeah. sure. So, it was you the know, model that got crushed. But go ahead. Yep, 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 yep. And um, and yeah. So um, I mean, I, I was also doing I was doing both wholesaling and flipping. So 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 the wholesaling helped a lot in mm-hmm. in that market. Uh, but uh, but the flipping not so much. So I had to convert you know a, a lot of those into rentals, um, and uh, and 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 renegotiate uh, my my terms with my private lenders. Uh, you know, cause yeah, I, I mean, at that time, like, so, so yeah, so I, and at first I didn't, ne- I didn't negotiate early enough, which is one of the big mistakes that I, I made mm-hmm. last time. Um, you know, I waited, you know, I was like, you know what? I want to honor my commitments. I want to, you know, do what's right for my lenders. So I waited and waited until I couldn't, uh, couldn't, you know, couldn't pay for it anymore. 
And so I had to go, you know, I had to go back and says, look, you know, I, I don't want to, I don't want, you know, you to have to foreclose on this. And like, I can't keep on making this mortgage payments. I have all these houses that I have to deal with. Uh, so we need to restructure the term, you know, like, uh, on, on some cases, we cut down from 12% interest to 6% interest. We have to re-amortize the, uh, uh, you know, the, the loan. So that way the 6% interest is from the beginning of the loan and not from the time that I came. So I had to really uh, work myself through that. Um, the, like, so one big mistake was waiting too long to make those kind of adjustments, to make those mm-hmm. kind of uh, expense cuts. And then the second one was, you know, I was so disempowered by what was going on. You know, here I am. I thought that everything I touched turns into gold, which we all do in a bull market. <laughs> <laughs> And, uh, you know, and, and here, like, I'm struggling, right? And, you know, and, and so, so it took me a long time to get out of that rut of being disempowered, you know, and so, so I was, and then I was in, I was in a fixing mode. I wasn't uh, in an expanding mode, uh, right? And so, so that, that slowed me down. Um, and it also got me, you know, it, it, um, um, it, uh, so, so, so my thought process with everything was very short term thinking, you know, and, uh, yeah, just, you know, do whatever I can to get out of that. Um, so, so that's another mistake is, you know, thinking short term mm-hmm. now, like looking back now, you know, and uh, in, in what I'm preparing now, like I, I think a lot more long term, uh, you know, I, now I think in terms of, you know, cash flow versus cash, right? In that market, you know, in the seller's market, you know, cash is great because you can always sell and get more cash. Uh, and, you know, in, in, in a down market like this, I, I start to look at, okay, yeah, you know, the, well, one of the things I start doing in, in, uh, in this past market that I didn't do before, uh, now my rehabs are all rental-based, uh, like um, uh, rental-grade uh, properties type mm-hmm. of rehabs versus before I was doing more high-end rehabs. I was doing, you know, so, so those properties, even when I did turn them into rental properties, I, could, I couldn't cash flow on them, right. right? Versus now, you know, my rehabs now is that, uh, you know, the, if I have to convert to rentals, it's not a big deal. I'll still cash flow on them. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, so, so that's one of the things that I, that I change. And then, so, yeah, so now I'm looking at, okay, you know, as long as I can cash flow on a property, like I, I don't have to worry. I don't have to worry about trying to liquidate it, try to sell it. You know, I know that ten years from now, you know, they'll be worth a lot more than they were now. Just like what happens in two thousand, you know, two thousand eight, right? Um, and Houston, fortunately, Houston, our home value didn't drop that much. You know, nothing like California and some other some other high end markets. You know, and and so and and our 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 rental markets here in Houston is very stable. Um, especially, especially if you focus on um, affordable housing rentals, you know. You, I mean, yeah, they, you know, they, they, ca- they cash flow, and so, so there's really not a whole lot to worry about. Uh, so yeah, so, so in this market, like I'm a lot more clear-headed. I'm a lot more, mm-hmm. you know, long-term thinking. Uh, I'm, I'm taking action a lot faster than I was before uh, to to make adjustments. Um, you know, so that way, I, you know, I. Limit, limit my risk exposure. Um, yeah. Does that right. answer your question? <laughs> yeah, no, totally. I got some great notes there. So I asked you what the biggest mistakes were, but I think we got some really strong things of what you should do, right? Mm-hmm. Um, this came up, I was just got on the phone with uh, 
Scott, a mutual friend of ours, Scott Myers, and he kind of came up with one of the same things that you do. You, you phrase it as a mistake. He phrased it as this is what you need to do. That's being proactive in your communication with all of your, the people that really depend on you, whether it's a lender or a partner or a vendor, you know, be really proactive there and, and stay in communication. A lot of people, when uh, disaster strikes, they tend to uh, sink and, and right. roll up into a little ball in the corner and hide their head in the sand and, you know, and pray for it to go away and just ride it out, you know. Right. Um, and that's kind of the worst thing you could do based on uh, experience from everyone that I'm talking to. And certainly, uh, you know, I, I, did, I, was a, I was a buy and holder during the last downturn, so I didn't get hit that hard. Um, it was uncomfortable at moments, but uh, we pulled through pretty easily or unscathed without too much damage. So that's right. one. Be proactive in your communication. Couldn't agree more. Um, one thing I should add is uh, keep your head up, right? Yeah. Keep your head up. That's kind of kind of goes hand in hand with what we just did. Um, there also, uh, you know, it, there will be a lot more defense to play in a time like this, but don't forget the offense. Yep, exactly. Right? Yep. Good. Yep. Uh, think long-term. Absolutely. I really think right now, uh, I'm actually, I wish it wasn't for people dying around the country that has us in this situation, but I am so much smarter and wiser this time around, and I recognize all the opportunities I missed the last time. And, uh, you know, we did well through the last time, but like, I think I can do so much better. And I think anyone that um, really focuses and thinks long term can right. position themselves to be, you know, wealthy for generations to come over the next, you know, 12 to 24 months. I think there's a lot of opportunity there. Yeah, um, I agree. And then uh, I like this one, too. This was great. And this is kind of what I did. And this is kind of why I survived the last one was evaluating rehabs for rental from a rental perspective as well. Right. So when you're looking at the value of the property, you know, you're going to look at equity and cash flow. If I sell yeah. it, I get this. If I hold on to it, I get this. Am I okay with that? Okay, thumbs up. Let's move forward, right? Right. Sweet. So out of those action steps or those things to do, um, what else would you add to the list of things that you want to focus on right now? Yeah, so I, I you know, I, I think that, um, well, so, so we talk about rental properties being big and the, the sub-niche within rental properties that I see that's going to come online here a lot is uh, subject to on rental properties. Mm -hmm. uh, I expect to see a ton of newbie landlords, you know, not making it through this, uh, th this market. And, you know, the last decade, pretty much the loan has been great terms. Uh, so I, you know, so one of my strategies is to target uh, landlord investors, landlord owners mm -hmm. uh, to take over their payments. And, um, mm -hmm. You know, so I, I started a, a, a Facebook, I'm um, starting a Facebook group just for landlords. Um, so we're going to be creating, you know, content and stuff that's specifically targeting landlords here in Houston. Uh, mm -hmm. This is, this is the only market I buy in. Um, and um, uh, yeah, and, 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 you know, and, and position myself that, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a buyer of rental properties. Mm -hmm. um, and so that way, you know, when, when, when these landlords can't take it anymore, they don't know how to evict the tenants, uh, you know, things like that. Like, I'm, I'm still able to get tenants out even doing this whole thing, right? Just, um, mm -hmm. uh, you know, and, and, yeah, w without having to go through the eviction process. And so, so a lot of landlords don't know how to do those kind of things. And, and you right. know, they're going to go to negative cash flow here pretty quick. Uh, so, yeah, so that's my primary target, you know, coming out of this corona pandemic. Uh, and so, so yeah, so I, I, I would say, you know, I, I would say if you, uh, if you are a landlord or if you are, you know, a wholesaler, like that's going to be a great, great niche to, to target. 
mm-hmm. um, and then another another big one that um, that that I've learned just I, I didn't learn this in in the real estate business. I learned this sort of in just business in general. You know, as as um, when we're running business, we're, we're like by default uh, we rely on teamwork a lot, right? We have someone that you know, like this podcast. There's someone that's cleaning up this audio, uploading it. Someone that creates a website. I know when in in my real estate business before, I didn't think like that. Yeah, I I think I'm I'm always thinking I'm the one that's going to do it all. I'm going to send out the marketing. I'm going to negotiate the deal, uh, things like that. And so, uh, so one of the big things is that uh, now you know now I I think everything in terms of teamwork, right? Like who who are my top wholesalers in town that can consistently bring me deals? You know who are who are the top rehabbers that that you know, uh, or, or contractors that can, you know, uh, get good work done really cheap. Um, you know, who are my top, you know, property management companies that I know, uh, you know, who are my top private lenders that I can convert into money partners. So I'm, I'm looking at all the different uh, people within my network and, you know, just looking at myself as someone who's like tying all of these players together uh, and play together as a team. So teamwork, I think it's going to be huge coming out of this. I like it. So I think the, uh, the opportunity with the, the absentee owners that have loans and carrying debt on their property, I think that's a, it's a really, really good spot that's going to bear a lot of fruit. Um, just in the last two weeks, we've had three just fall on our lap. I mean, the people just called and say, hey, can you help me find a buyer? And I was like, tell me about it. Tell me about mm-hmm. it, you know? <laughs> so I was like, I'll take it. <laughs> so I picked up three just like that um, awesome. without trying. So I'm, I'm, we're, we're shifting everything around to, to start trying and, uh, and focus on that a little bit. Still trying to be sensitive to it. I'm trying not to be so in my head about the people's feelings and the situation right. people are dealing with. But on the other side of things, people are hurting, right? They need a solution. They need escape. They and, and they, they, yep. need to, they need relief from this and, yeah, uh, we're in the position with the knowledge to do it. So, yep, yep. yeah, and I, I, you know, yeah, and I know, like, when I'm in a sort of a, a, a desperate situation or crisis, you know, like money is a small consideration of that, right? It's like yep. I just want to get out of this thing so I can have my peace of yep. mind. You yep. know, I think that peace of mind is way more important than cash when when I'm in those kind of situations, and so yep. so I can understand it from the landlord seller's perspective as well. Uh, so as long as I can help them solve this problem, give them their peace of mind back so they can, you know, have a clear head uh, to do whatever is next for them and, uh, you know, and, um, and make the deal work for me. Yeah. Like that's mm-hmm. a win-win situation. Yep. Couldn't agree more. So the Facebook group to, to kind of position yourself as the, the, the authority of landlording and, and position yourself in that uh, role. Um, what else, what else are you going to do to, to target these landlords? Yeah, well, you know, I mentioned wholesalers. Uh, okay. You know, yeah, the wholesalers has always been a, a great resource of of deals for me. You know, and um, and yeah, and then property manage uh, property managers. You know, they're a great mm-hmm. source of deals as well. So yeah, those are you know, I'm I'm looking f- in terms of acquisition. You know, I'm I'm looking at okay, yeah, who you know, how can I get the deals coming to me? Right, who do I need right. to talk to to get the deals coming to me? Um, you know, without having to, um, to, to rely on like marketing, um, you know, outbound marketing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm a, you know, I'm a lot more about uh, relationship 
uh, type yeah. marketing nowadays, uh, yep. much more so. I used to do a lot of outbound, you know, direct mail, TV, infomercials, all of that good stuff. But um, yeah, I think I think in, in, in this market, I think relationship uh, marketing is going to be is going to be key. Yep. Yeah, totally. I mean, that's how we. That's why my phone rang three times in the last two weeks, right? Is because of those relationships. Yep. Uh, couldn't agree more. Let's see. Okay, wholesalers. You're, so you wholesalers have been a good source of, of deals for you. Right. How is uh, your conversation with them changed? What are they saying? Well, you know, they're still very hopeful <laughs> that uh, <laughs> that you know, the 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 prices are still you know. It's so funny when when we had Harvey here in Houston. Harvey hit Houston hard, and so we Hurricane Harvey. Hurricane Harvey. Yeah, it was so long ago. It was like it's like uh, <laughs> right. We had the hurricanes. We had something. But go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah. Well, so there's a term uh, that got established called pre-Harvey and post-Harvey comps. Okay. And so now there's a pre-Corona and post-Corona <laughs> uh, comps, right? And so, nice. so yeah. So um, the wholesalers are still hopeful and. You know, when I talk to them, like I'm having to tell them, like, look, I have to use more conservative comps because we don't know what the post Harvey, I mean, the post Corona virus comp is gonna be, right? right? And so, so yeah, that's 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 a big change. So they're, you know, they're they're having to uh, to go back, renegotiate the price down, or give us longer term. You know, before the stay at home order came in place, you know, I, I didn't mind buying houses with tenants in place. Um, and and evict them, you know, get rid of them after we close on it. But now I'm like, no, I need, you know, I, I need to get them out first uh, before mm-hmm. I close on it. Um, I mean, I have strategies, you know. I often, you know, most of the time, I I rarely have to do an actual eviction. Give them a few hundred bucks, they'll move out. You know, um, yeah. Uh, you know, at, at some, you know, I mean, it could sometimes it's three hundred bucks, sometimes it's five hundred, sometimes it's a thousand bucks. Right? At some price, they're gonna move out. <laughs> right. <laughs> and, uh, and typically, it's cheaper than the t- pain and suffering of an eviction. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. way cheaper. I mean, you, you know, Texas is a pretty f- uh, landlord-friendly state, mm-hmm. and it still takes us, you know, at least forty-five days to get someone out normally uh, mm-hmm. through the eviction process. And here, you know, we we can't even file an eviction. So yeah. So anyway, so um, so now, you know, when I'm when 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 there's a tenant in place and we have to evict them. Uh, you know, now I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm telling the the wholesalers like, look, you, you, you gotta give me more time. I'm gonna close on it, but I'm not gonna close on it until the tenant's out. So things like that that we have to educate the the wholesalers on. Uh, right. But yeah, the the value, you know, using low comps, uh, using super conservative comps is a it's a big one to re-educate the wholesalers on. Right, right. Yeah, it's uh. We've we've actually dedicated this entire month. I've de- I we like like there's other podcasters here over here, but uh, <laughs> I've dedicated this whole month to creative acquisitions. April is what we're calling it. Gotcha. And going through the creative financing and stuff like that is one of the great ways to preserve or protect yourself and mitigate your risk post Corona comps. Right. 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 Um, you said a uh, uh, longer term. We've talked that, about that a lot, like almost every single episode. Um, down payments for sure. Uh, contingencies. So your contingencies on the house being vacant right before you actually close. Right. The other thing I, I was looking at is, you know, in an appreciating market, you're always looking at the the comps. What are things selling for? I think right now it's just as valuable, even maybe even more to see what's not selling. Right. Yeah. Right. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think the the when something sold is as important as the what it sold for. 
Right. So a hundred day comp and a, and a 14 day comp are, should be weighted very differently in your calculations. Right. Exactly. Sweet. Yeah. yeah. Well, Tim, this has been great. Any, any other, uh, well, I, I wanted to, I, you know, I, you, you mentioned about your owner financing uh, deals that you're structuring. I'd love to, to hear more about that. Um, you know, like like the three deals that uh, you know that that you took on, and I know you didn't take it as a subject too, right? You actually structured an owner financing. Yeah, yeah. All three happened to be owned free and clear. Oh, okay. I didn't have to do subject two, um, but they were small small percentage down, ten to fifteen percent. All three are vacant, is why they're kind of freaking out a little bit. So I got um, small ten to fifteen percent down. I did escalating interest rates. So one of them, I'm as low as, as 2% for mm-hmm. the first three years, and then it goes to three, and then it goes to four. Interesting. Fi- it's a 15-year one. So I get a lot of my money back. Like That's how I'm kind of protecting myself. I get a lot of my money back from the low down payment early in the first couple of years. Mm-hmm. Um, the other one is I've got, because uh, they're vacant, I got six-month moratoriums on all of them. Nice. So I don't have a payment until November 1st on, on all three of those. Wow. They're all set to close on April 30th. So doing that. And then, uh, yeah, I'm just a buy and hold guy anyway. Oh, and then I'm using private money for those down payments, but I'm borrowing more than I need. So I'm putting cash and cash flow in my pocket with each deal. Nice. Yeah. Nice. So those are the, the ways that I've done it. I've been waiting for something like where you can get super creative, and but I haven't had any sub twos come my way yet. Um, but uh, we're starting to market for them. Yeah. We're, uh, we're putting them... Um, you know, I've got my three option letter of intent that I use all the time and I've, mm-hmm. used, I've shared it with my clients and they've all done really well with it. But now I've got it, just a, a two option letter of intent. I'll show you a letter here. It's just the cover letter with the options in front of it. Mm-hmm. And uh, one is like, hey, would you be open to a full price offer, right? To get their attention. And then option two is in that full price offer. I'd be happy to give you a full price offer if you'd be flexible on how I actually paid it. So that's one. And then number two, if you if you want to just get out now, then here's here's an all cash offer. And I'm just using 60% is, is whatever the value is right now. Gotcha. Okay. So that's my mailing piece just to get the phone to ring. Mm-hmm. And then we're, we're including two signed contracts in there with the self-addressed stamped envelope in oh, there as well. Very cool. Very cool. Yeah. So I started sending these, these priority envelopes, uh-huh. right? But they, uh, everyone's just kind of listening to us. I'm showing him a priority mail express envelope right now. And so I went through a whole cycle. I found 96 properties that were all owned free and clear absentee owners, vacants, they're out-of-state absentee owners, and they had at least a one lien on them. So that's who I mailed to first, and I got 96 properties. So I got one deal out of there, but that was like a $800 mailing for just 100 pieces. Wow. Right? So, so, so you said that has at least one lien. Like what kind of lien would they be? Um, inside of uh, our Epic Property Finder software, mm-hmm. like it can be a, a bankruptcy, it can be a judgment, it could be a sewer lien, it could be a tax lien. Um, I, I think there's child support lien, there's a domestic violence lien, there's a bunch of different liens there. So at least wow. I have one lien. Okay, that's a super good list. That's awesome. Yeah. So it's uh, and I just but now I'm like. I'm think like that, that felt like low hanging fruit to me, right? Right. Because right. nobody wants a vacant house right now. But right. I think the degree of motivation could be higher if they actually have a loan on it, right? So kind of what you're saying, right? Yeah. So that they'll probably be the next uh, batch of mailing that goes out. Gotcha. Yep. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. Anyway. Yeah. So that's how I'm working it over here and how I mitigate the risk. So 
Because I really think we can, you can pick up a lot right now, but just by paying full price, if you got the terms all figured out correctly. Right, you know? right. Yeah. But again, there's a lot of uncertainty out there, so we will see. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I think that I think that as long as your term you you can get it to cash flow. I mean, you're you're pretty safe, right? So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, so so yeah, so yeah, cash flow is king, right? In this market. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, it's just such a, an amazing opportunity to build the cash flow that you didn't have six weeks ago. Exactly. Right. You just didn't have that opportunity, and you know, and, and flipping properties is great, but you'll be doing that for the rest of your life until you start holding stuff. Yep. And, uh, but now it's, now it's the opportunity to hold. Like to me, like this is my whole mantra right now is, is the name of the game is control and the tactic is creative financing and get as much as you possibly can. And then, uh, you know, Eddie speed, um, yeah. is he in Houston? He's in Dallas. Dallas. So okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I went to, he sat me down over when we were at CG a few years ago mm-hmm. and, uh, kind of showed me this whole idea of the deal after the deal. And how important, like, because you got, because terms are so important when in creative finance, right? You got the terms of the sale, you got the terms of the loan. And then he said, yeah, but you're missing the third one where all the money's made. He said, the terms of the documents mm. and how he wrote his documents. And so um, if you can just, if you have your documents straight and you just control as much as you possibly can, and you'll be able to just shift and manage all your finances to create maximum cash flow and wealth for yourself after this is all said and done. Yeah. Yeah, one of the things I learned from him that I uh, re- regarding the the terms and the notes, um, you know, doing it longer than twelve years, so that way you can renegotiate your your note down. Yes, I, I yes. love that. That's awesome. <laughs> I was just happy, like get a five year seller carry back or a ten year carry back. Says nope, you need twelve years or more to really cash in on that deal. Right. Yeah. And he, when he explained that, that to me, how the deal after the deal works, I was like, wow. Yeah, yeah. I want to show and share. Let him tell it. He does it so much better than I do. <laughs> so much uh, more authenticity there with this Dallas act. <laughs> anyway, well, Tim, this has been great. I mean, if anyone wanted to reach out to you, what would be the for them to do that? Yeah, just hit me up on Facebook is fine. Just search for Tim Mai. Yeah, dodeals.com is our website. Uh, but yeah, that's it. That's a good one. I like the short ones. Not too many of those <laughs> left out there. The yeah. Main names. <laughs> so that's Tim as in Mai Tai, right? Yes. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> You've met that before, I'm sure. <laughs> but anyway. All right, Tim, let's do this again, buddy. Awesome. Thank you so much, Matt. Okay. Really enjoyed it. Thanks for being here. All right. All righty. So if you found this episode valuable, there's a good chance that you know someone else who would too. So if you think about it, their name comes right with them. Ask the subscribe button when they get here and I'll take great care of them. All righty. That's it for today. God loves you and so do I. Peace, health, blessings, and success to you. I'm Matt Terrio. Living the dream. Yeah, yeah, we got the cash flow. Yeah, yeah, we got the cash flow. You didn't know, homeboy, we got the cash flow.